nothing ever happens without prayer. Everything starts with prayer. And it's not because prayer is some sort of uh, formula that we use, but prayer is so important because prayer is actually relationship. See, we think prayer is about going for a formula, and, and I'm going to give you some keys on how to pray a little later on, but, but it's not a formula. Imagine if you treated your marriage like a formula. You walk in from work and it's like, okay, point one. Tell her she's beautiful. You're beautiful. Point two, tell her you love her. I love you. Point, like, if you do that, she's just going to be like, oh, she'll probably like it at first until you then sit down and do whatever you want to do because you've done this little formula. And so now I've done my formula. I've done that. You're beautiful. I love you. You've made my world fantastic. So I've done everything I need to do today and I move on. Marriages don't work like that, and prayer's not that. Prayer's not a formula, even though we get into situations where we do pray through, and we pray through specific things. I'm not saying that we throw formulas out the window, but we have to understand that prayer is a relationship with Jesus. Prayer is about communicating. Prayer is about talking to Him. Prayer is about, prayer is intimate, because you're sharing your, your heart's concerns, you're sharing your heart's desires, you're talking to him about your future. You're talking to him about your kids. You're talking to It's very relational. It's not formal. It's relational. And I think the reason why we struggle with prayer so often is because we turn it into this formal thing instead of understanding just take a deep breath, relax, chill out, and just have a conversation with him. Come on. It's not that hard. I, I, I was doing this um, the, uh, on Friday. I was just sitting outside and drinking coffee and I was just sitting there and people must have thought I was a little bit strange because I'm just sitting there and I'm having this conversation. God, I'm just not feeling that flash today. Like I'm just feeling a bit flat. I'm not sure what that is. If you want to show me what that is, that'll be really, really cool because then I can make some adjustments or pray about it or whatever. And then I felt God saying to me, you already are praying. You don't have to pray about it. You just told me about it. So I already know that it's going on. And I actually know everything that's happening in your world before you even say it anyway. And so then I'm thinking, well, then why point of praying if you know everything that's happening in my world? What's the point? It's just because it's about relationship, not about your needs. And so I'm just having this conversation with him. Drink, and these people walking past me and they're looking at me like, I should have had like a Bluetooth thing so that they thought I was having a phone conversation instead of thinking, crazy guy outside drinking coffee. But it was just a conversation. And, and I can tell you this now, there was no fireworks, there was no like big, like, kaboom, oh, wow. It was just a conversation. Yes? And I want to encourage you that it's a conversation with our Creator. Prayer is intimate as we share our hopes, our fears, and our concerns. But can I say this, that prayer needs to be first. Prayer needs to be first. We need to live pray-first lives. How many people here, like me, uh, make the mistake of prayer comes when we've come to the end of ourselves? Oh, you guys are all fantastic. You can just go and have a coffee today, and I'm just going to preach this to myself this morning. Yeah, you wake up in the morning, you're not feeling too well, and the first thing you do is pick up the phone and tell your boss you can't come in today because you're not feeling well. And then at some stage, somewhere along that day, you think, oh, maybe I should pray about this. You know what I'm saying? It's like prayer first. Could you imagine if you got up in the morning and, and, the, and what you didn't do is say hello to your wife? 
you know, you wake up beside her, and maybe it's a little bit difficult because sometimes there's morning breath issues. But can you imagine if you wake up in the morning and you just ignored her and went about your day? Or she ignored you when you went about your, or your kids didn't speak to you when they went about your day. I, I think the best thing that we can do is pray first in the morning. And when I say pray first, it's just like, I just get up in the morning and go, hey, father, because he's our dad. He likes to be called that. Hey, father, thank you for a great sleep. Looking forward to a great day. Guide me. Help me walk through this day. Give me wisdom. Amen. That's it. Just pray first. Pray first and everything. What if we prayed first? And everything we did. So, you know, you get a phone call, you've got to have a meeting with somebody at work, and I don't know, somebody comes in and says, Johnny's here to see you. And before you go and see Johnny, you just take a moment and go, God, I just pray that as I do this meeting, that you give me wisdom and guidance, and this will be really, really successful. Amen. What if we just made prayer first in everything we did? No, 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 I'm not talking about shutting yourself away for an hour or two hours or three hours. I'm just talking about prayer first and everything. Prayer when I wake up, prayer before I go to sleep, prayer before I have a meeting, prayer when we drop the kids off at school. What if we just had just constant prayer, like minute, two-minute prayers all the way through a day through everything we did? Imagine if you had a quick prayer before you went to lunch, saying, Father, I pray that as I go to lunch today that there'll be a connection made between me and one of my co-workers so I can share the gospel with them. What if we just did prayer first before we did anything? I wonder what our lives would look like if we made prayer first, I, I believe that God wants us to have a pray first mentality in everything that we do, in every situation. Imagine you're looking at going to buy a house or you need to get a loan or whatever. What if you prayed first before you even went in there? Imagine what God might do. Imagine what things God might bring about in your lives. Listen to this. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18 says this, Rejoice always, pray continually. If you ever want to memorize a verse that's really, really easy, it's 1 Thessalonians 5.17. It just says, pray continually. It's a really, really easy verse to memorize. If you can memorize that this week, when you come back next Sunday, I might have a special chocolate for you. That's what they do at the back. And then it goes on and says, give thanks in all circumstances. Listen to this, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Crazy, isn't it? People say to me, oh, what's God's will for my life? God's will for your life is that you pray continually. Well, how do I pray continually? Is it like I just walk around praying the whole time? No, it's just what I said. Pray first. Pray first. Pray first before you go out into the sports field. Just throw, throw God up a little prayer before you go out there. Pray first before you walk into your workplace. Pray first before you even get on that horrendous thing called the motorway, which is just... God's trial and testing and tribulation to see if you're sane or not. You know, like, pray. what if we just pray first, just all the time, all day, every day, we just got these prayer first mentality where we're just praying first before we do anything else. What if we understood that his will for our life is that we pray first? What if prayer, in my opinion, prayer should be our first response, not our last resort? Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. And the reason why we struggle with this concept is because we think prayer, we think an hour. Hello? But that's not what Scripture teaches us in praying continually because you can't pray nonstop 24-7. You have to sleep sometime. But it's about making prayer first. 
Uh, Smith Wigglesworth used to say this. He says, I never pray more than 15 minutes, but I never go more than 15 minutes without praying. What's he saying? He's saying it's just, he's just constantly in communication with God, just talking to him through every part of his day. I think the prayers that you've got to go and do where you shut yourself away for a while is, is prayer where you're really interceding. You're trying to break through. You're nailing something. It's a warfare kind of situation. But the prayer first that I'm talking about here is a, is a lifestyle of prayer where we just pray to God and involve him in every area of our lives before we do it. I think every single one of us could do that. And I think that if we did that, our lives would transform hugely. couple agree with me? Here's the other thing. If prayer is to be our first response and our last resort, well, why do I have to pray? Because we actually have a responsibility to pray for our world. We actually have a responsibility to pray for our world. I hear lots of people complaining about the way the world is going and the way that it is and people are blowing each other up and all these sorts of things that are going on that is horrendous things in the world and we sit there and we go, oh, ISIS, and we, but we actually have a responsibility to pray for our world. We, we can't turn around and just complain about the way our world is. We actually have a responsibility. How do I know that? Because Second Chronicles, great scripture that we all know, 7.14 read it along with me, says what? If my people, come on, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. So we have a world that is in turmoil. We have a world that we don't really like the way that it's going. And, and the Bible gives us an answer. The Bible says if we would do these things, then I will hear, then I'll heal the land. I'll bring about healing. But the crazy thing is it starts with three words, if my people. If my people. In other words, what he's saying is that his people don't. If they would just pray, if they would just do these things, if they would just pray, if they'll just humble themselves, if they'll just turn from their sinful ways, if they would just do that, then I could heal the land. I could, uh, yeah, oh man, I, I know you're saying that we could reach our community and, and, and that we could see lives transformed and people say, but I'm really not sure how that's going to happen. I know how that's going to happen. If my people would pray, would humble themselves and would turn from their sinful ways, then I'll do it. And that's the great thing. He'll do it. If we just do what we're meant to do, he'll do what he does best. If my people, it says to me that we don't. We don't. Do it. Maybe the world is the way it is because his people haven't. Just a thought I wanted to throw out there. We have a role in what's happening in society, and our role in society is to pray first is to pray first. You know, I started looking through, I don't generally look through the local newspaper because I'm just not a big newspaper kind of person, but I felt like God told me I need to start looking at our local newspaper because then it highlights things that are going on in our community. But you know what, just to read that newspaper without praying over every article that concerns me is pointless. So now I, I read the local paper and it's just a little prayer. God, I pray for that situation that you're transformed. That's not good for us, for our community. That's, that's not God's will. So I break the hold that the enemy has and release the power of God and I keep on reading the newspaper. 
It's just about praying first. It's just about let's do something with this. We it doesn't have to be like hours on end. It's just about a prayer first mentality. And we know we need to pray. We just don't believe we can, or we just don't think we're any good at it. I can remember uh, when I first started having confidence to pray, and you know, when you have prayer meetings where everybody comes together, I can remember just freaking out the first time uh, Pastor Jurgen elbowed me in the ribs and said, "You're next." You know, because it's like it's a scary thing, isn't it? How, how many people here are afraid of praying publicly? The rest of you didn't put your hand up are probably lying, but that's okay. It's a scary thing. But the thing is, is it's a scary thing because we think it has to sound spectacular. It has to sound amazing. It has to sound as good a prayer as what Gina Morgan prays. If I could just pray like Gina, then I would know I'm a godly person. It's my, it's one of my, my goals in life is to be like Gina. And, um, and, you know, and, and, we, and we put this onto a pedestal, but you know what? When you think that we're his children and he's our father, how many times have your kids come and asked you for something and you have to kind of hold back the laughter because the way that they ask you, they get their world, words muddled up and they say it wrong or they pronounce it wrong. Does it stop you from actually doing it? No, you just remember that and you file it for the 21st birthday party. But it doesn't stop you actually doing what they want because... Father understands. And it's not about getting it right, and it's not about getting it perfect. It's just about doing it. And I want to encourage you not to be afraid of, of praying. And I want to give you this morning, just go, go through this morning, just some really easy, practical things that you can do. And I think that if you follow this process, you can easily pray for 15 minutes a day without any stress or any problems. And I guarantee you, it will change your life if you do that. Are you ready for this? I'm not convinced. Are you ready for this? All right. Luke 11 verse 1 says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, you have to understand that this is a really weird request from a disciple because the disciples grew up in Jewish culture where they were taught prayers to memorize. They knew prayers left, right, and center. They were taught prayers to memorize for this, that, and the other thing. They were passed down from generations to generations. Like They knew how to pray. It's not that they didn't know how to pray. In fact, it was part of their culture for them to pray every single day. They had no problem praying. That's why they'd always go to the synagogue at certain times of the day, because they knew how to pray. But here they're saying to Jesus, teach us how to pray. So what are they really saying? What they're really saying is, We've never known anybody that prays how you pray. And, and we want to pray how you pray. We, we want to pray the way that you pray. You know, we, we know all these memorized scriptures. We know all these memorized prayers. We know all that. But, but the way that you pray, man, that, that something happens when you pray. And, and so we want to learn how to pray like that. And in, and in Luke 11 is, what Jesus tells them to pray, which is the Lord's Prayer, but it's also in uh, the book of Matthew and verse 16. And Jesus gives them the prayer to pray, but and we're going to read it shortly, but here's the thing. He, he didn't say, when you pray, pray this prayer. He said, when you pray, pray like this. 
And so when he gave the Lord's Prayer to the disciples, he was really giving an outline or a structure of how to pray. These are the things that I hit on when I pray, is really what he's saying. I hit on this, and then I hit on that, and then I pray that, and I pray this. And He's giving them a way to pray, not a prayer to pray. Are you with me this morning? It doesn't mean that praying the Lord's Prayer is a bad thing, reciting it and praying it. It's not a bad thing. It's not going to do you any harm. But that's not the intention of what Jesus was trying to teach him. He was not saying, pray this prayer. He was saying, when you pray, pray like this, because this is how I pray, and these are the things that I hit on. And so this morning, we're going to read through the Lord's Prayer together, and then I'm going to break it down for you into the outline of the kind of prayers that Jesus prayed so that we can use it in our prayer life. Are you good with that? All right, let's read Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 to 13, and... Um, we're going to do this all together. Are you with me? Oh, one or two are. That's awesome. Here we go. It says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That's a really cool prayer, yeah? That's a phenomenal prayer. It kind of covers all the bases. And But he says right at the start, this is how you should pray. He's not saying pray this prayer. He's saying this is how you should pray. And he's trying to give them an outline of a way that you can pray. And I believe that as we go through this kind of breaking it down, that if you can do this, if you can spend 15 minutes a day praying through like this, I guarantee you your life will transform. Does anybody want to transform life? Put your hand up if you want. All right, cool. We're on the same page then. So the first thing he says here is our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. The first thing I want to say to you this morning is that when you pray, connect with God relationally. You remember I said earlier, Prayer is not a formal thing, it's a relational thing. It's just about talking to him. It says, our father. He likes to be called father. Come on, he's dad. He's dad, he's daddy God. Jesus is saying, hey guys, you need to call him father because he likes it. I don't know about you, but um, sometimes when my kids uh, are wanting to wind me up, they call me Craig rather than dad, and I hate it. Does any other dads have that issue? They call you by your first name and you're like, don't you call me by my first name? I'm your dad. I haven't gone through all the pain I've gone through with you to be called Craig. It's what my mama calls me. You all call me dad. And if you don't call me dad, it'll be sir. I love being called dad. You know? There's nothing better than when you're in... The kitchen and you're doing something and Seth might be in the lounge watching TV and dinner's been done with and then you hear this, Dad, Dad. Before he, I know what he wants. He wants ice cream. He hasn't asked for ice cream. But the fact that he's just said, Dad, the heart's melted already. Yes? You know what I'm talking about? Especially with girls. Girls just have this way of making dads do anything. How many wives in this place agree that your daughters have their dad wrapped around their little finger? Can you put your hand up? 
Okay, let me flip the coin here. How many dads here would say that the boys in your family have mum wrapped around their little finger? Yeah. It's just the way that we're wired, yes? And, and it just melts my heart when I'm called dad. Daddy. It melts his heart when he's called dad. It melts his heart. He doesn't want you to know him as a distant God. He wants you to know him as an ever-present father. A dad that's always there. You know, and I, I don't know about you, but I love, I don't get them that much anymore because the kids are growing up, but I love cuddles. I love having cuddles with my kids. And what I've realized and what I've learned really, really now that my kids are getting older is when the opportunity comes, you make the most of it, especially with teenage daughters because they just don't come that often. And you make the most of it. But I love that. And you know what? If he's father... And he loves that too. And so what he's saying is, man, before you do anything, just connect with him as dad. Just, just be relational with him. Just turn around and say, dad. And I think he loves that. In fact, I know that he loves that because in Romans 8, 15, it says, you have not received the spirit that makes you fearful slaves. I love that. You're not, you don't need to be fearful of him. You don't have to be afraid of him. He's dead. Instead, you have received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children, and now we call him Abba Father. You know what the word Abba actually literally means? Daddy. It actually means daddy. So it's daddy God. It's He's dad. He's dad, and he wants to be called dad because he wants relationship. He's not distant. He's ever-present. And so before you do anything, that's why I get up in the morning and I say, hey, Father, or hey, Dad. You know, uh, kid, my kids will come out sometimes, hey, Dad, what's up? What's happening? You know, not much. All right, cool. You know, it's, it's, it's one of the greatest things in the world. Why don't you get up in the morning and say, hey, Dad, how you doing? How's it going? Just connect with him relationally. The second thing is, says, hello, be your name. Hallow be your name. Second thing is worship his name. Worship his name. Worship the name of who God is. Worship the fact that he's Jehovah Jireh, your provider. Worship the fact that he is your righteousness. Worship the fact that he is your redeemer. Worship the fact that he sanctifies you. Worship the fact that God does all these things, that his name represents all these things. Why, why, why connect with him relationship and then worship his name? Because once you connect with him relationally and once you understand who he really is, then when you start to pray the rest of the prayers as we get through it, then you're praying in his name and you understand his position and you understand his authority. The only way that I can put it this way is if I turn around and I say to Madison, tell your brother he needs to clean his room. And so she goes down to Seth's room and she says, Seth, clean your room. And he goes, nah, get stuff. So she comes back to me and she says, I told him to clean his room and he told me to get stuff. Okay, I want you to go back to him and tell him that dad said you need to clean your room. So Madison goes back down there and she says, dad said you need to clean your room. And so Seth cleans the room. Why? Because dad said. Now in our house that probably wouldn't happen. 
she'd probably come back to me again. I told him, but nothing's happened, and then I'd have to go down there personally to deal with it. But the reason why we say that it would happen that time is because Dad said, why? Because Madison was carrying the weight of my name. And so when we connect with him relationally and then we worship his name, then we start to go into things of intercession and praying for things that we need. We're carrying the weight of his name with us. We're carrying the weight of his name when we pray about our finances because we've worshipped him as our provider. We're carrying his name when we start to reach out and pray about our children because we understand that he is salvation. And so we carry the weight of his name when we go into it. So we connect with him relationship, relationally. We worship his name. Proverbs 18.10 says this, God's name is a place of protection. I love that. Isn't that cool? It's a place of protection. In his name is protection. The righteous can run there and be safe. And so when I connect with him relationally, the next thing I want to do is I want to worship his name because I want to get into his place of protection. I want to get under that name so that when I'm starting to pray and speak into situations, I'm coming from under that authority. Hear what I'm saying? So it's carrying the weight of his name into my finances, the weight of his name into my marriage, the weight of his name into my workplace, the weight of his name into my finances, the weight of his name into my health. And so I'm carrying that with me because I've connected with Daddy and I understand who he is. And so when I pray, I pray with that authority behind me. Come on. Third thing is, it says this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's this all about? This is about praying his agenda first. Praying his agenda first. See, God's not ignorant. He knows what's happening in your world. He knows what your needs are. He's just saying, before you dump on me all your stuff, I just need you to pray my stuff first. I just need you to pray my things first, the things that I want to see happen. Because why? Because in any relationship that matters to you, you always focus on the other person's needs. Come on. Marriage works when you focus on your wife's needs or your husband's needs, not my needs. Marriage doesn't work when it when I hear people say things like, she's this or he's this. You know what he's means? High expectation syndrome. And she's means super high expectation syndrome. He's not doing this and she's not doing that. Forget about what they're doing. What are you doing? And what Jesus is saying here is he goes, whoa, before you start, before you start telling God about everything that you want, let's put his needs first. Let's put what he needs first, what he wants to see first. Because if you really love God, if your relationship with him is important, then what he needs will become your priority. Matthew 6.33 says this, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Because there's a one thing that I've learned. When I put God's stuff first, one, it brings me into alignment with his will and his way, and two, what he wants ends up becoming what I want. It's no different than with Trinity. I, I have plans she, she doesn't believe it's ever going to happen, but I've been putting money aside that in three years' time, she's going to get her Hawaii trip that she's always dreamed of. 
Why? Because she wants it. And because I love her, I want to give her what she wants. And so Hawaii, I don't mind going to Hawaii, but you know where I really want to go? I want to go on an African safari. I want to see elephants and lions. and But she won't go there because there's snakes. I have to go on my own. I want to go to South America. I want to go to different places that are just when people don't normally go. Hawaii, everyone goes to Hawaii. I want to go to Madagascar. <laughs> but, but her wants become my wants because I care about her. And so if we really love God, then what he wants becomes what we want. What's God's prayer list? Well, God's prayer list can be summed up in one word, others. Others. God just cares about others. God never puts himself first. He's always about others. That's why it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only, because it's about others. Luke 12, 31 says this. It says, he will always give you all you need from day to day if you will make the kingdom of God your primary concern. He promises, I will give you everything that you need if you'll make my kingdom and my wants your primary concern. Talk to me this morning. If we make his kingdom our primary concern, he says, I'll tell you what, I'll take care of everything else. I don't know about you, but I'd rather he took care of the things that I need taking care of because when I try to work it out, it just becomes a bigger mess. If I focus on his kingdom and what he needs and I make that my primary concern, then God promises he'll take care of everything else. doesn't mean that you can't tell him what it is that you need because we're going to get into that next. It says, give us this day our daily bread. He's not saying, I don't care what your needs are. He's saying, just can you just make my will first? And yours second. Give us this day our daily bread, which means this. Depend on him for everything. Depend on him for everything. Go to him every day for everything you need. Why? Because the biggest mistake that I think that we make is we only go to him when we need him. And, and I don't know about you, but as a dad, as a father, I like my kids to need me. You know? I think it's one of going to be one of the hardest things in the world is when some mongrel punk face guy comes along and steals, robs. Sounds like the devil. My daughter's heart away from me. And all of a sudden she doesn't look to me for her needs anymore. She looks to this punk face jerk. I need to be needed as a dad. God needs to be needed. He wants to be part of your world. He so desperately wants to be part of your world that he knows how many hairs you have on your head. I mean, it's slightly stalkerish, isn't it? That he has time in his day to sit down and go, hmm, Claire has 4,233 hairs on her head. Oh, no. 4,232 hairs on her head now. And, and she goes through and knows how many Beth has on her head. It's like, have you got nothing better to do with your time? 
It's just that he so wants to be entwined into your world. He so wants to be part of who you are. He so wants you to need him. He so wants you to tell him what your needs are. Can I say this to you this morning? Pray for what you need even if you don't need it. Even if you've already got it, pray for it anyway. Because it says, give us this day our daily bread. Do it daily. Tell him. I, you know, even if he's already doing it, just, just say, God, I need let him know that everything about your world is dependent upon him. That everything about who you are is dependent upon him. Because if I don't communicate that to him, then I am saying that I actually don't need you and I actually don't need you to do this. And I want to encourage you that every day communicate, every day tell him, I, I need you for this and I need you for that. Even if it's all happening for you, even if your life is going plain sailing, still tell him you need it because I got this idea that if you stop telling him how much you need him, then all of a sudden maybe a storm will come along to prove that you need him. Yes? So tell him. Tell him how much you need him. Tell him how much you need. My life is going so well at the moment. God, I thank you so much. I am so in need of you to help my life to continue going incredibly well. I'm so in need of you to keep my finances going incredibly well. I'm so in need of you making my marriage just just so much more awesome than it already is. You know, like just tell him how much you need him because I, I don't know about you, but I think he's the kind of God, he's the kind of dad that just says, oh yeah, I'll help with that, I'll help with that. And he'll just keep it going. Instead, we wait and we wait until things turn to custard and then we start asking him for our help. I, I, I remember when I was at Bible college, I had some great advice. There'd be people in, we used to have this prayer meeting on a Monday morning and, and there's about, I don't know, 35 people in the class and and uh, I remember going there, and I used to find it so depressing, these prayer meetings before class, because honestly, like 99% of them are there kneeling at the altar, weeping, God, break me, God, break me, yes. you know, like they're weeping and the gnashing of teeth is going on. And, and I remember thinking, I don't really like those kind of prayers. And then, and then Jürgen said to me, he says, mate, don't pray that God will break you. He doesn't need any, any encouragement. So I'd turn up to those prayer meetings, God bless me, God pour out your fire. I just pray that because how many people know that if God needs to break you and sort you out, he doesn't need no encouragement. He's just going to do what he needs to do to make you who he needs you to be. So you don't need to pray for that. He's just going to automatically do that. So I'm just going to spend my time telling him how dependent I am on him and how much I need him. And I'm just going to ask for his favor and his goodness and his blessing upon my life. Psalm 121 verses 1 to 2 says, I look to the mountains. Does, does my, I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? He's basically saying, no, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And so I want to daily tell him how much I am dependent upon him. Number five is, says this, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So the next thing that we need to do is get our hearts right with him, but get our hearts right with others. And it's just a really simple prayer. It doesn't have to be a majorly intense thing where you're, you know, searching your heart. And I think sometimes there's people that are like, you know, God, is there anything going on inside me that you need to address? And he goes, no. Are you sure about that? Yes. Uh, there must be something. So let me go for a witch hunt through my life and try and find something wrong with me. 
Once again, friend, if you can't see, if he hasn't pointed it out to you, stop looking for it. My um, niece, I love my niece, Erica Lee, she just turned 16 and we went out for her, but she had a swollen taste bud on her tongue. So she Googled, decided she had tongue cancer. You know, it's like, you know those kind of people, you know? Oh, got a sore on my side, Google. Oh, it's Ebola virus or something. And it's, they're like, they go looking for something that's just not there. So search my heart, God. Is there anything that I have done against you? And trust him to tell you. And am I holding anything against somebody else that I need to ask forgiveness for? It's that simple. Yes? 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. It's just about going through these things and going, you know, Dad, I'm so grateful that I have a relationship. You're a great dad. And I also know that you are the King of kings and you're the Lord of lords and, and you, you are Jehovah Jireh, my provider. And I thank you, God, that, that you know, your kingdom is coming to earth. And Father, I pray for your kingdom. I pray for your church. I pray for the people in our church, God, that they would find you in a way that they've never found you before, that they would discover life in you like they've never discovered before, that you would be upon them. And I also thank you, God, that I'm completely dependent on you. I need you in my life for my everything, for my wife, for my family, for my income, for everything that I do. I am completely dependent on you. And if there is anything in my heart that is against you or has offended you or been sinned towards you, I pray that you'd show it to me and I repent of that. And if there's anything that I'm holding against somebody else, would you reveal that to me? Because I want to repent of that also. It's that simple. It's like That was like two minutes and we're halfway through. Hello? <laughs> Number six is, and do not allow me to be led into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Number six is this, engage in spiritual warfare. Engage in spiritual warfare. What's he really saying here? Man, God, if an opportunity comes my way today, sin, please save me from it. Please save me from it. You don't need to go looking for temptation. huh? Temptation just finds a way. You don't understand this. Temptation is not a sin. It's when you act on it that it becomes sinful. So what Jesus is teaching here is don't wait until it's got a grip on you. Pray that when temptation comes your way that it save you from that so you don't even have the option of choosing. Hello. <laughs> Completely get away from it. I think that that this is the one part of our prayer life that we negate so much, the spiritual warfare where we engage and we resist the devil and we come against him. I, I think that you have to understand that there is a devil out there and he hates your guts and he wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your life. He hates you so much that he works every single day of his life trying to find a way to destroy you. And sometimes I think the devil works harder than we do. If you're not fighting the devil every day, he, he's working harder than you're working. Because every day he's looking for a way to destroy your life. Every day he's looking for a way to destroy your family, to destroy your kids. And if we're not fighting him every single day, he's working harder than we are. And I think it's time that we stood up and we said, you know what, I'm going to make a stand 
against the devil. I'm going to make a stand against what he's trying to do in my life. Ephesians 6, 12 says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against rulers, against authorities, against the power of darkness of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of the evil in the heavenly realms. You have to understand whether you like it or not, the fact that you've given your life to Jesus Christ means that you are in a fight and you are in an army. I don't really, I don't think so. You are. You have an enemy that is against you and you can either fight back or you can sit there and take every single blow that he throws you away. And I think it's time that we took a stand. I think it's time that you stood up. And if there's things happening in your kids' lives that you're not happy with, then you need to stand up and say, you know what, I don't accept that today. I don't allow temptation to come my child's way. You're going to save them from temptation. I come against every principality and power that would come against them. I come against every evil spirit that would try to rise up against them. I come against that right now and I take authority over it because I know, because I'm praying with his name, daddy's name, behind me and I carry the weight of heaven. And when I speak, heaven goes with me. And I, and you just, you just go at him until you break him. Come on. We're too apathetic in our Christian walk. And I believe the devil works harder than we work. And we just got to rise up in the authority that we have. And it doesn't have to be hours on end. It's just having that authority, understanding that I have a relationship with Jesus. I've gone through the process. I've sorted out the sin of my life. I've told him I'm dependent on him. And now that we've prayed his ways and all that sort of stuff, now it's time for me to make a stand against him. Not ring the pastor and ask him to make a stand against him. You make a stand against him. You take that authority. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Not get the pastor to resist the devil for me and he will flee from me. You've got to stand up in your own authority. You've got to stand up. You've got to stand up in your own authority. Last thing that we're going to talk about this morning says, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. You know what this says? This says to me is express faith in God's ability. You know, it, it, it starts with dad and and how awesome his name is. And it finishes with, once again, bringing us back around to the awesomeness of who he is. The greatness of who he is. And that it's all about him and it's not about me. It brings us right back to us understanding that this is all about him. Having faith, expressing faith in God's ability. That I understand that his is the kingdom. His is the power. His is the glory. That all of this that I'm doing, everything that I'm praying in, is in His power and in His ability. And it's for His glory. And everything is about Him and what He's trying to accomplish. And, and it's not about me. And it's not about whether I'm right. And it's not whether I'm living the perfect life. And it's not about whether I get the words right. And it's not about how long I pray. It's about Him. It's about what He does. It's about His power, His authority, His kingdom. It brings it all back to Him. It's about you, Lord. And I can only do this in your power, and I can only do this for your glory. It's about expressing faith and his ability that when I come to the end of this, it's like, you know what, God, I know that you can do this because you have all the power. You have all the authority. You have, you know, it's just, it's just reminding yourself 
that this is in his hands and it's not in my hands. I don't have to make this happen. I think the biggest mistake we make so often is prayers. We pray that God would do something. We tell him that we're dependent and we need him to do something. But then at the end, we take it off him and try to do it ourselves. And I just think when we come in and we just, through this pattern, we just hold on a sec. I can express faith in his ability. Listen to this, Jeremiah 32 verse 17. These are two great scriptures that I reckon you should memorize so you can quote it to yourself whenever you start to doubt whether God can come through for you. Jeremiah 32 17 says, Our sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. What a great scripture to remember when you when your faith is starting to fault, when your faith is starting to waver, they stop. Oh, hold on a sec. God, you made, Jeremiah says that you made all the heavens and all the earth, that you did it all with your outstretched arm. Nothing's too hard for you. i just reminding myself right now that nothing's too hard for you, God, that you can do this because it's about your power and it's about your authority and it's about your glory. Hey, okay? It's a great thing to pray when your faith is faltering. Revelations 5.13 is another one. It says, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praised and honour and glory and power forever and ever. Honour and glory and power forever and ever. It's the Lamb who sits upon the throne. He has all the power. He has all the glory. It's just, it's just a way of reminding us and understanding that it's about having uh, faith in His ability, not my ability. It's not dependent on me. It's all about Him. It's all about what He can do. It's all about what Christ can do. And you know what that does? It just takes all the pressure off me. It takes all the pressure off me because I've connected with Him relationally. I know His name, I'm standing in the authority of who he is. I've prayed his wants first. I've told him I'm dependent on him. I've stepped into some spiritual warfare that says, you know what? God's got this. And at the end of it, I'm just saying, you know what? It's all in your hands. I trust you. You have the ability to this. You know what? You can pray through that in 15 minutes. You might want to do it four times a day. I don't know. I'm not the kind of person that can pray for an hour, generally, because my brain doesn't stop working. I don't know about you, but my brain, you know, I start out with great intentions. Father, thank you so much. It's so awesome that you were for me. And, you know, I start, start out so well, and within about two minutes, I was like, and, oh, yeah, what are we going to have for dinner tonight? Oh, that's right. Uh, oh, back to praying. And then sometimes I'm walking along the beach because I, I find that I just connect with God so much better when I'm in nature and I'm walking along the beach praying and then I notice, oh, look at that shell on the, oh, I haven't seen a shell like that before. And hey, look at that guy on his bike. Man, oh, I'd love to have a motorbike. Maybe I should buy a motorbike. Motorbike really cool. I could come out here on my days off and go up and down the beach and, and be really, oh, that's right. Sorry, I'm praying. But I'll tell you what, I can do this for 15 minutes. I can go through and have this strategy, outline of what I need to pray. And that's what my 15 is all about. It's all about us praying 15 minutes a day, 
reading our word, praising him for all that he is. And I tell you, I, I just want to encourage you, we're at the end of this month, we've got a week of prayer and fasting. and starts next Sunday.